0: Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22 and this marks a big moment for our church family. We've been on this journey for four years, working our way through the Gospel of Matthew and we're at our last chapter, starting chapter 22. We might, uh, Kyron, if we can turn the house lights up so people here at Mornington can uh, actually read their Bibles, that'd be helpful. Uh, And we're diving into this this story, which starts chapter twenty-two, uh, no, is uh, Can we turn the house lights up any further? Is that just? <coughs> it's helpful for people to be able to. Re... There we go. Oh, it's very bright. Um. As, as, so as we dive into this last chapter of Matthew, one, the, the reason we've been focusing on the Gospel of Matthew is for the first 1,500 years, the Gospel of Matthew was the most treasured Bible book of the New Testament church, or well, of the Christian church. It, it is a, a gospel, and that's why it's first in the New Testament, it's a gospel that's written from a Jewish perspective, and it's a gospel you really need to watch your footnotes on, because it is uh, always, in almost every chapter, referencing the Old Testament. And so we'll be looking again at some of those Old Testament implications of what is uh, mentioned. And I love the Gospel. I mean, it feels like ages ago, since we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Uh, well, it actually was three years ago we would been taking this journey, Uh, but so many of the the Bible verses that have shaped our world are contained in this Gospel and if you want to go back, we actually there is actually what they call a YouTube playlist and you can uh, actually watch every single message. For, you can track the whole Gospel of Matthew if you'd like to do that on our Facebook or YouTube page. Um, <clears throat> so as we come, this is about... Uh, this parable is unsurprisingly about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In, in Matthew... Uh, he uses the term kingdom of God a handful of times, all the rest of the times he uses the term kingdom of heaven and those things are interchangeable. Uh, Dan was showing me a graph that he put up for you a few weeks ago that the, by far, like it's not even close, by far the, the most talked about thing by Jesus is the kingdom of God. It is the thing that he cares about the most. And the things he talks about the most in this parable is about that kingdom. So what is, what is the kingdom of God? Good question, isn't it? We're good to come. Let's circle back and work out what does Jesus mean by that term kingdom of God? Before we get to the kingdom of God, we need to understand what Jesus means by the word kingdom. Now, it's, uh, in, in the Greek, it does, it's, it's, it's slightly different, the word basilia... But in English, we get a sense of what it means from the, the words that produce the word kingdom, king's dominion. All of us have a kingdom. It's a place where you have dominion, where you are kind of king uh, or queen, I guess, depending on how that works for you. Uh, and where, where the things you get to make decisions about. Now, one of the great challenges for parents, where I'm, I'm still processing, my daughter's getting married uh, <laughs> next year, still processing all that. Uh, one of the great challenges for parents is a little baby starts as part of the kingdom of their parents, particularly the kingdom of their mother, and, and gradually the task of growing up is to establish your own kingdom, to gradually be able to make more and more decisions about your own world to the point where, no matter what your parents think, uh, you have to take charge of your own life. And part of being an adult is to, be, to take charge of your own kingdom. And it is actually a problem when one adult steps over the boundaries of the kingdom of another adult and doesn't respect those boundaries. It's actually really important for you to know the things you can make choices about. And one of, the, one of the ways you can waste a lot of energy is by spending a whole lot of energy on things you can't make choices about. Uh, the most effective way to live your life is to focus on the things you can change. Uh, that's where we get the serenity prayer from, for those who remember that about. Um, now, so that's the kingdom... And all adults have things you can make choices about. We tend, one, two, two ways we can measure that in our society. One is your bank account tells you things you can make choices about. The more money you got in the bank in our society, the more choices you can make. Another thing that tells you about it is your calendar, uh, how you spend your time. You can choose how to spend your time. And how you spend your time is a measure of how your your kingdom's gone. Now, for Jesus, the the central question is about the kingdom of God. And the central transaction in uh, in the heart of Christianity is the choice not to have your kingdom ripped away from you, but the choice to let Jesus be in charge of your kingdom. We're going to talk more about that. But we want to take a minute... Just to, because we want to, as we, as we head to this last chapter, and we wanna, we're talking about the thing that Jesus cares about the most, I want to take a moment to see if we can actually think about how we think about the kingdom of God. What pictures come to mind for you when you think about the kingdom of God? It's, it's language that's in the Bible regularly, but when, when you hear that language, what do you imagine? What do you imagine? We're going to do something we we do from time to time here. We're going to chuck up a Mentimeter slide. Now, so what we'd love you to do is pull out your phones, whether you're at home or or at Lena Valley or here, and if you're near somebody who doesn't look like they are very good friends with technology, this is your chance to help them and and write their answers down. What we would love you to to do here is use this QR code to take you to a, a website... Where you can answer this question: What pictures come to mind for you when you think about the kingdom of God? What picture? What, what when you hear those words? What actually comes into your mind? I don't. I, I really don't want you to write down what you think should come into your mind. I want you to write down what actually comes into your mind when you think about the words "kingdom of God." So, uh, we'll leave that QR code up for a, a minute or two because we want to just put it up there. And if you're at home, we'd love you to be part of this as well. Uh, and, at, and at Lena Valley, this is something we can all do together. And in fact, it's something, if you're watching this a little later on, this will be up for the next 48 hours, so you can still be participating in this. What, I, one of the things, um, if you hang around Christian church often enough, we, you, you learn what the right answers are. But we want to work out what, is, what are the real answers. For us, when you, what picture... Comes to your mind when you work out when you hear the word kingdom of God? What what images come to mind? So let's let's uh, get them up there. And if you're near somebody, just have a chat to them and say. And if you've got someone who's not doesn't have a phone out, ask them what you know whether you can chuck some answers in for them or not. We'd love to have as many answers as we can. Let's start to see what some of these answers are looking like, will we? As we uh, chuck them up, what? Pictures come to mind when you think about the kingdom of God. Here we go. That's Isn't that nice that peace is the number one? Happiness, security, God's children together. A castle, that's great. Uh, a throne, clouds, community, great. We've had 38, 39 different people responding so far. We, we'd love as many people to get this as... As possible, because I actually think for us, one of the, if if this is the number one thing Jesus is concerned about, then it's pretty important for us to have a fairly clear view on what it is. That's why it's we're taking the time here to say, okay, what what things are in our minds. I, 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 I the way the way word clouds work is the more someone uses the same word, the bigger it gets. So, we've got a whole bunch of stuff there. Bright, being with Jesus, God's children together. Frog, okay. Uh, I don't know what that's about, that's good. Uh, Banquet, Jesus. Autumn colours, freedom, perfect. Fantastic. Okay. Well, let's have a look... So with those things in view, let's have a look at... This is a a word picture Jesus gives about the kingdom of God. And I I love this, because... Look, if I'm to be honest, I grew up uh, in a a little brethren church at a place called Waitara in Sydney's northern suburbs, uh, and I found church boring. Uh, Mum and Dad gave me comic books uh, with the Bible story in them. So they were Bible comic books, so which made him okay. Ray, Ray looked a bit shocked then. When I, <laughs> uh, so it was definitely okay. Uh, you know, I, and so I'd sit there reading my Bible comic books. Uh, but one of the things that can sort of creep in if you hang around the church, if you grew up in the church, is the picture of the kingdom of God or Christianity can be a picture of boredom, a picture of ordinariness, a picture of, you know, grey and people wearing suits and things well i i love some of the words we saw there when people were thinking about the kingdom of god and i want to contrast that with again with this picture jesus is giving us here of the kingdom of god i love this the kingdom of god the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son we we find it hard to relate to this picture because we don't have a king in the same way we have a a king, but not like this. uh, Charles is not in charge, thank goodness, of the GDP of his whole nation. Uh, In these days, this kind of king is in charge of the gross domestic product, of of everything within this nation. He is in charge of all the resources. He can take whatever he wants from within his nation. And Jesus is saying... The kingdom of God is like a king like that who throws a party for his firstborn son. Like a a once in a century kind of party, a party that you would never forget, a party that has all the resources thrown at it. I I love this picture because it challenges my picture of the kingdom of God a bit because the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of God is like the most amazing party you could ever come across. That's the kingdom of God. I, 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 and and the more you read the Bible, the more you discover that is the kingdom of God is a bit more like that than boring people in suits. I there's a whole bunch of verses there. I, I, I love the uh, picture in of Zechariah chapter eight, of as the kingdom of God comes and the, and. One of the pictures is that boys and girls will be playing in the streets. That kids playing is a sign of the Kingdom of God. John 10.10, I love that Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. The place of the Kingdom of God is a place of whole and full life. And I love this, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I I love that. The the kingdom of God is a place that's just joyful. And this is the invitation. It's also a place of peace. And again, uh, we, particularly with all that's happening in the world, we, we will think of peace being an absence of conflict. Well, can I tell you, peace in the biblical sense is much more than that. The the word shalom, peace, the Hebrew word for peace, means everything having its right place. If you think of all the stuff in your life that's not quite right, where, you know, all the points of pain, all the points of the unresolved, shalom means everything having its right place. So this is the picture of the kingdom of God. And what's remarkable is, God's invited us into it. Now, this is the story of the, of the Jesus in a lot of ways is telling the, the story of your invitation into this party. Where, where, the, where the invitation comes from, what it means. He's also telling the story of the New Testament versus the Old Testament. He sends, as Maddie was saying earlier and Barbie read for us, he sends his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen fattened cattle have been butchered and everything's ready, come to the wedding banquet. Jesus is clearly, he's in the context of the other stories we were talking about the last few weeks, he's clearly talking about Israel here. But the first bunch of people who uh, reject the invitation are, are people who we need to take into account because they are people who say, yeah, sorry, I, I'm heading, I'm, I've got to be about my business. My business is more important than this or my fields are more important to this. What they're saying is, yeah, sorry, my kingdom is more important. Jesus, in the parable of the sower, says that what, the thing that's going to come in and choke the kingdom of God, the life of the kingdom of God, is the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. I think we need to hear this. I, I, I don't know about you, but it's, it's easy to be about your own business, isn't it? It's so easy to be about the kingdom of you rather than the kingdom of God. And the consequences of that are pretty serious. Jesus says we are to seek first the kingdom of God. Now, there is this next group who are, who are not just oblivious, they're actively hostile. Uh, they mistreat the servants and kill them and the king was enraged. So, very clearly, for Jesus, this is a picture of the way Israel treated the prophets and, and the messengers and, and ultimately the ultimate prophets, sort of saying, this is what's going to happen. Now, Jesus uh, says that the consequences are serious. And it's uncomfortable, and and there's bits of this story that are uncomfortable, but we do need to hear this, that you can choose, if you like, to be about your own business. You can choose to be full of yourself. You can choose to persecute anybody who would want to tell you something else. But the consequences are serious. I, I love this next bit, though. So the king realizes the people who were first chosen aren't going to turn up. So he says, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited didn't deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good the wedding hall was filled with guests. I love this. I don't know, I, what I know is, there's a whole bunch of people who feel like they're not good enough for God. What this is clearly saying is, no matter what your history has been, the, all that matters is how you respond to the invitation. I love that the bad... Are right there with the good all that matters in your life is how you respond to the invitation and jesus is saying the invitations available to everybody this is what grace is about you don't earn your way to the party you don't be so good that god says yeah here's your special ticket no, you, you are invited to the party because of the king, not because of you. And that would be enough, wouldn't it? That'd be enough, that's a, that's a nice story, that's a, a nice encapsulation of the gospel. But then there's this awkward little bit here that comes next. There's this awkward little bit of the story that says... When the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The king said to the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a bit awkward. I like talking about the good news. I like talking about grace. I like talking about how the bad people get in. But here he is someone who's not wearing the right clothes and he gets it in the neck. What's going on? Well, again, this is where we've got to understand, we're not playing party games on a Sunday morning as we come to, to Jesus, as we come to the foot of the cross. What had this person done wrong? what the text is clear the subtext of the, this text is clear this person could have worn the appropriate clothing this person could have got dressed up in the in the in the wedding clothes the, the tradition was you'd wear like a brand new set of clothes the best clothes you could afford and you'd turn up and you and, you, and it's a sign of respect this person wanted all the benefits of the party without putting the king in his right place, without respecting the king properly. I actually think one of the the great challenges for our nation and the Western world right now is we want all the benefits of the kingdom of God. We want peace and equality and we want justice and mercy and we want all of that but we just don't want God. I think it was Aquinas who said, we've cut down the tree of the, of the seven virtues and long for the fruit they used to bear. One of the things we have to come to terms with here is the kingdom of God isn't some party game. Jesus, a few chapters earlier, had told the story. He says, the Kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price. A pearl that somebody finds and says, this is so wonderful. I'll sell everything else I've got so I can get this. One of the incredible things about the transaction of our faith is this. Yep, your task as you grow up is to learn to step into your kingdom and to learn to take responsibility for your own life. And you'll burn out if you spend all your time worrying about things you can't control. But the, the central question of our faith is, once you have accepted responsibility for your, faith, for your life, are you willing to hand that life to Jesus? Are you willing to let him be in charge instead of you being in charge? Are you willing to let go of your businesses in your fields? You see, there are no shortcuts. You don't get to come to the party unless you put the king in his right place. There is no kingdom of God without a king. And so Jesus tacks this on at the end and he says... This little verse, many are invited but few are chosen. Many are invited but few are chosen. I I would love, kinder, to be able to tell you that it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you feel like doing and it'll all be okay in the end. That's just not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is in your life either Jesus is lord or is not and the promise is the degree to which Jesus is lord to that same degree you'll discover life you see the kingdom of god that can feel a bit oppressive and like I you know I've got to lose my own control here once you let Jesus be in charge you discover the kingdom of god's a party The Kingdom of God is where life is. The Kingdom of God is where you get to be fully who you are called to be. And for all of us, there is this central question, how are you responding to the invitation? It is clear in this story that just because you initially got an invitation... it's possible to ignore the invitation as it continues to, to go. Now, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how it all works and theologians have debated it. But I, I trust, you know, and I trust Jesus' <laughs> grace. But if, you're, if you've been coming to church for a long time and you kind of know that there was a time where you, have given, where you gave Jesus control but for quite a while now, you've, been, you've reefed the steering wheel back and you're in charge. It actually matters. One of the things I can promise you is you will have already discovered over and over again that you being in charge isn't the best way. Have you noticed that? It doesn't lead to life. But also what Jesus is saying here is, is, it's a pretty significant choice to make. Or you may be at a point where you've never actually responded to the invitation. I, what, a, what a place to be. Where if you know that part of you is ready to say, yep, Jesus, I, I, I'm sick of trying to do it my way and I want to do it your way. It is the best moment of your life as you open yourself to all of who Jesus is. I'm just going to pray as we we bring our message to a close. But this is one of those moments where I think it's really important. There's a whole bunch of people in our city who are asking for our prayer. There's a whole bunch of people who are desperate for hope. And one of the things we need to make sure is that our eyes are fixed on where hope actually is. Have you noticed that the more you try and take charge, the more complicated it gets? (laughs) But the more you... That line from C.S. Lewis, the more I let Jesus take me over, the more truly myself I become. The more I see that cross and what it meant, the more truly myself I become. And I, and I know, for me, every day there's this question, okay, who's going to be in charge? Every day. You don't get to a point, this side of eternity, where that question's not in view. You don't get to a point where the question is going to be, whose kingdom are you going to be working on today? But one of the promises of our Bible and one of the promises of Jesus' life is I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So we're just going to pray and and as we do, I just want to create some space for if you're at a point where you know, uh, and let's invite everyone to have their eyes closed, if you're at a point where you know you've been holding back or if you've taken charge back of the steering wheel and you know that you've been trying to find hope in the wrong places then what I encourage you to do is just quietly between you and Jesus right now let him know and tell him that you're going to give him the steering wheel back You might be watching online right now and this is the first time you're hearing this, the idea that there is life available through Jesus. It's not complicated. All you need to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. I don't want to do life my way anymore. I want to do life your way. And watch what happens. That's the start of the journey. Let's pray. Jesus, as we reach this point, forgive us, we we often make it really complicated. We often make it about us and, you know, having to work stuff out. But it really is simple. There is an invitation you put in front of us. And it's not about whether we're good or whether we're bad. It's about whether we accept the invitation. So please, Jesus, help us accept the invitation. And for those of us who have been at church for a while and have, if we're to be honest, sort of grabbed the steering wheel back, can you help us have the courage to give you the steering wheel again? To put our life back in your hands and to seek first your kingdom and not our kingdom? We confess we need your help. We have learnt over and over again that we can't find the answers in our own strength, but we do try (laughs) over and over again. So Jesus, please help. Help us wholeheartedly come into the life that you have for us. We ask this in your name. Amen. And just as we close, I really encourage you, as we come to this song, encourage you to look at the lyrics and sing it as a prayer. Let yourself respond to who Jesus is and the invitation he's given you. No, you don't have to be an expert. All you need to do is put your life in his hands.